Good morning. We are going to, we're going to pray before I start this morning. If uh, I didn't, I failed to announce this last week, hopefully you caught the information, or maybe you didn't catch the information, the whole church was spur of the moment last Sunday, Pastor Jim said, bring canned goods. And I didn't think to announce it down here, so you may not have seen it, so I'm absolving you of any guilt for this pledge right now. But if we are collecting cans for our food pantry that's right across the street from the church this morning, you can always donate. A couple of us remembered, and they're down here, and that's okay. Because you should see the mountain in the traditional service up the hill, okay? <laughs> it's quite, they were searching for tables during Sunday school to stack it on. But I'm going to pray over those, the, the items that are donated here and up there, and then we will continue to worship. Let's pray. Gracious God, we are so thankful for the way that you bless us. Whether it's a, a token gift like some canned food, or whether it's just the fact that we know that you always meet us right where we need us to be. We lift up this offering of food. We lift up the offerings that were passed in the plate this morning, and we pray your blessings upon them, that they would be used as we partner with you in your mission to transform this whole world. In Christ's name, amen. So I don't know about you, but I was kind of, I was happy with the cold snap that just disappeared all of a sudden. We're doing that fake return of summer before it actually gets cold again in Mississippi, if you know your seasons. You have to push, you have to push summer over like a Coke machine, you get it rocking back and forth, and eventually it falls over and becomes winter, right? And so, like, this past week, I got to bust out hoodies. Anybody hoodie people? Yes. I love this. I love the time of year when I can put some jeans and hoodie on and go. That's my thing. It's the most comfortable thing. It's the most easy to worry about wardrobe and match thing. If you're a guy and you don't care about wardrobe, you may not care about what I'm saying anyway. But it's like, but your favorite hoodie, and I have a couple of favorites, but your favorite hoodie just feels next level, like, comfortable, Right? It's like, okay, I got my favorite jeans on, I got my favorite shoes on, I got my favorite hoodie on, I can produce today. That's kind of how I roll. The clothes you wear, whether you realize it or not, will set your mood. I talked last week about the fact that my parents would make me wear church clothes to church, and then when I got home, I got to put on play clothes and run around, and so you had church clothes meant church mood, church mood. Play clothes meant all bets are off, right? But even as a grown-up, we're like, if I... If I can go to work and it's casual Friday, or if I can go, you know, if you're a college student, every day is casual Friday, like, it doesn't matter. And you're sitting in the contemporary service where you can wear a hoodie and get away with it, or you can wear whatever it is and you can get away with it, because it's comfortable church, which I maybe why I like contemporary church so much. I'm going to preach in a hoodie this winter, I guarantee you. But, but, But the way you, the clothes that you wear can affect how you feel. You with me on that? Have you ever noticed that? It has, it has an impact on you, how you relate to other people. You're grumpy or you're not, depending on how, much, how tight the tie is, you know, or whatever. Or the formal attire or whatever. You go, to a, you go to a wedding party at the reception, none of the girls are wearing shoes anymore. They've all kicked them off. You know, there's a collection somewhere. That's just how it is. We want to be comfortable and our clothes change how we are. Well, Paul keeps using this metaphor of clothes in the passage we've been studying. If you haven't been with us, we're doing this deep dive into, into Colossians chapter 3. And Paul uses the analogy of clothing when he's talking about how we live out our faith or live spiritually or even how God transforms us. So Paul even understood that the right clothes made you a different person. (laughs) Right? They didn't have Nikes. They had sandals to walk around in, you know. It's like a good pair of sandals. 
Less dirt on their feet? Probably not, you know? But he understood the metaphor, and he uses it that way. So let's read together Colossians 3. This is verse 12 through 15. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Clothe yourself in kindness and compassion and charity toward other people. But before he gets into that, he says something very important. Two very crucial words in the passage. He says, holy and beloved. He's addressing the Christians at Colossae. But when he says somebody is holy, that is set apart. That is sacred. So he says, therefore, holy and beloved. Sacred children, loved children. That's who he's talking to. We talked a couple weeks ago about the fact we, if we belong to Christ, we belong to Christ. We're already in him, therefore go and do. We're already there, right? So he says, he reminds them, you are already holy. You are already dearly loved. There are times in our life, and maybe you're in one of those times right now, where we need to hear that truth. We get caught up in things where the world's not going the way we hoped it would go or the way we want it to go. And we need to hear that we are dearly loved by God. And honestly, if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, rest in that truth. Hear Paul say it in the scripture. Hear me say it up here. You are holy, already set apart by God. Chosen ones is the way he calls it. And by the way, that phrase is the same phrase that they use in the Old Testament to talk about the nation of Israel. So when Paul says, dearly loved ones, he is talking about the people of God. So if you belong to Christ, you're holy and you are dearly loved. You're sacred. You're set apart. And that's something we want more than anything else, is to be loved and accepted. I was preparing the sermon this week and I was like, as I hit something in my notes, it reminded me of a song. i got to quote this song to you. Because it is true that like, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, we need to feel love and acceptance. And we desperately chase it in all kinds of places. But anybody familiar with a band named Farner? Probably not. I heard a yeah from John Golston because John Golston knows Farner. <laughs> Here's the word. This is a song they, they sang a long time ago because I'm old. I want to know what love is. Listen to these words, all right? This mountain, I'm not going to sing it because that would be tragic. This mountain I must climb feels like the world is upon my shoulders. Through the clouds I see love shine. Hey, pretty, pretty spiritual. Keep, keeps me warm as life grows colder. In my life, this is the phrase that stuck in my head when I was doing my sermon prep. In my life there has been heartache and pain. I do not know if I can face it again. Can't stop now. I have traveled so far. To change this lonely life, and here's the chorus, this is the key right here. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. 
I know you can show me. Now, this is definitely a love ballad, okay? But if you look at the 80s and look at love ballads, all you really got to do is change the focus to Jesus, and they wrote, they wrote some pretty great praise music. I mean, seriously, listen to the chorus again. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. Now, if you said that as a prayer to God, you'd be singing praise music. Now, the writer of Farner did not have Jesus in his mind when he's writing the song, okay? But what's in that whole, the reason I quoted those words is what is heartfelt in that song is this deep desire that we all share to be loved and to be wanted and to be accepted. When life is cold, I need to experience love. I want you, God in this case, I want God to show me his love. And so Paul says, you are holy and you are beloved. And all too often what happens is we just, we think there's something else we need to do. There's something else, somewhere else we need to go. The world cannot offer you the kind of love we're talking about. And for the most part, at least not consistently, even relationships with other people cannot offer you what I'm talking about. It doesn't come from career or paycheck or activity as much as we would like for it to. It doesn't come from those things. It doesn't even necessarily come from your spouse or your significant other because occasionally they screw it up just like you do. And so on some level, to echo Farner, we want God to show us what love feels like. To experience the love of God so that we can be loving and experience the love of others. And so Paul says, clothe yourself with kindness and compassion. But the ultimate, the ultimate meaning of love comes from our relationship, a deep, committed relationship with God. There's a, uh, from time to time, and I'm not consistent with this, my wife would go, you do this? I do do this. I have a little blessing that I pray over Matthew at night when, he, when I'm putting him to bed or whatever. It goes like this. It's really simple. It's like a sentence prayer thing because, you know, I'm going to lose Matthew's attention. Um, God the Father loves you. Christ died for you. The Holy Spirit is with you. When I'm consistent with it, that's the last thing he hears before he goes to bed. He may not even, that may not even register yet, right, for him. But I am speaking that prayer over his life because that is ultimately the only place we find love, acceptance, and satisfaction that's not twisted by the world. That's not somehow, doesn't somehow just fall short of what the world has to offer. Did I say that right? You get what I'm saying. All right, so he says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Before this passage, he talked about putting away things, putting to death desire, putting away evil desire, putting it aside. Last week, he talk, we talked about the fact, he says, lay aside malice and hatred toward others and anger toward others. And so Paul's been saying, change your heart's desires towards moving toward Christ. The way you treat others, you have to put aside some of the ways that you're used to, your old self, your old stuff. Sometimes it is incredibly hard to break a habit and change a habit. Can I get an amen? Right? This time I'm going to be better. You say to yourself again, again, and again, and again. And what I have discovered is one of the best ways to walk away from something is to focus on what you're walking to. Because if you just quit something, there's this huge gap in your life. 
you know? At, when, at Lent, if you give up Facebook, you're like, what am I doing with 10 hours of my day, you know? Like, you've opened up this big gap in your life, like, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> and what happens is something will fill it. So when you try to walk away from something you know you need to walk away from, and you don't replace it with something that you're walking towards or walking with, you're left going, i got to find it somewhere. And something will fill it. You'll either fall back into the habit, or your desires will draw you to something else just as bad as what you're leaving to fill it. Are you with me? But the ability to step past it has more to do with what you focus on, your, what you're stepping into. And so Paul says, put, a, put, a, put to death evil desire, put aside anger and malice, and instead clothe yourself with kindness, compassion, humility. And he gets into some more in a minute. Peace and love. In other words, this is where you should focus. Now, last week was... Don't be hateful. Don't be angry towards other people. Because the desire part in the very first part of the chapter is towards God. We love God more. And then this putting aside things that were anger and deceit and hatred are other focused, right? The way we treat others. We put those things off. And so he echoes that with what you put on in how you treat other people. Kindness, humility, compassion, meekness, and patience. Verse 13. You read that. This is where he digs into it. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other just as the Lord has forgiven you. So you, might, you also must forgive. So Paul, in this part of chapter 3, he definitely has in mind our relationship with each other. And how we relate and connect with one another. He's like... Treat them with kindness, treat them with patience, treat them with humility, be meek, because that is how you bear with that person that's driving you crazy. <laughs> the, the verses are connected, right? Put on your comfy hoodie of kindness so that you won't be irritated by that person anymore, so that you won't be hurt by that person anymore, or you will respond to that hurt with kindness and compassion and meekness and not pride and anger and malice and hatred. Think about all of the troubles that walked in this room this morning. Now, you don't know everybody's business, but you get the metaphorical idea. This group of people sitting here, there's lots of stuff going on. There's physical challenges. There's lots of college students in here. There's financial challenges. <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of things that we might be carrying, baggage that we're carrying forward from yesterday or from this week or from last week or from 10 years ago. And that's just this room. Now expand that to every church everywhere on Sunday morning. That when they come into a sanctuary to worship God, you have to actually kind of go, at least for 45 minutes until Charlie reminds me of all of it, I've got to set it aside and go worship God. But that stuff doesn't just go away just because you magically walk into a Sunday school room, right? Or to a church room. It's still with you. You're carrying this stuff. You're carrying burdens. You're carrying hardship. You're carrying weakness. You're carrying Heartache and pain, which is where the song, this is where the song stuck in my head when I was doing the sermon prep. It says, I can't bear it anymore. Life is growing colder. Show me love. Farner had it right. <laughs> right? So we're carrying this stuff. Well, if a bunch of people in the same space are carrying a bunch of junk, how do you think they get along? 
right? Because if I got my junk and you've got your junk and we bump into each other in a relationship, my junk's going to make you mad and your junk's going to make me mad. <laughs> I mean, that's just the nature of people, right? If you're married, you understand that, you've committed to it for the rest of your life. You're going to bump into their junk for the rest of your life. That's how it rolls, right? So when we get people together and I've been hurt because I was bullied in middle school and your parent, your dad was super strict and rough on you and we just don't mesh, bang, trouble, right? And Paul says in verse 13, bear with one another. Bear one another's burdens. So when I have heartache and pain, thank you, Farner. When I have heartache and pain, verse 13 says that we're to bear that together. So when you bring your junk into church, you can bring it into church and it's supposed to be a place where we acknowledge we all have heartache and pain. You see how this song jumped into my head now as I was preparing this sermon, right? We all have it. And we have to carry it. But if you belong to the body of Christ, you are dearly loved. You are considered holy by God. And you're supposed to clothe yourself in the way you treat each other, the way Christ treated each other. Which means, if you're hurting, I carry you. And if I'm hurting, you carry me. Bear each other's burdens. Find the people in your church, in your small group, or in your Sunday school class that you trust and carry those burdens together. That's what he's telling you to do. And he puts the caveat right next to bear burdens, which is forgiving one another. <laughs> because when the junk is bumping into the junk, there's going to be an occasion where you've got to ask for forgiveness. If we're going to be in this together, and you know, you've sat in the group where the person who comes every week has the same problem and has said the same thing for three years. Maybe it's just a pastor. And you want to go, do something about it. <laughs> There's just something inside of you like, have you changed it? What are you doing? You know, but you can't say that. <laughs> you slacker. You know, that's not loving and graceful and kind and compassionate, right? But there's something going on inside of you going, come on. We've been talking about this. Fix it, you know, <laughs> like that works on us. Flip it. If the person across the room, if you, if, by the way, if you've never experienced that, maybe you're the person that's showing up. Anyway, if you flip it, and so, would you just be able to fix it? Of course not. Of course not. If we could just fix it, we would. Oh, our problems are gone. <laughs> Next week, you know, it doesn't work that way. So Paul says, bear with each other. And when it's troublesome, forgive one another. It's another way of saying this. You put on these clothes of Christ-likeness, but here is how you actively participate in being humble and kind and compassionate. Be compassionate. Here's how you express it. By sharing burdens and by being forgiving when you need to be. That's the active part of verse 12. Be kind, be humble, be compassionate, be meek, be gentle, be loving by bearing burdens and forgiving each other. It's the active part of putting on those clothes. It's the expression of love and kindness and compassion to be forgiving when that person has irritated you again for the 50,000th time. College students with roommates, I am preaching right to you, right? When the roommate doesn't clean the sink again, be kind, be compassionate, be meek, be forgiving. 
when the spouse still hasn't taken the trash to the street, be kind, be compassionate, be meek, be forgiving, be for, bear one another's burdens. Maybe his middle school trauma is keeping him from taking out the trash. Who knows? You know? <laughs> we don't know what everybody's going through, but we walk through that door together and Paul says, be this way, act this way. But he treats it like clothing. It is who you are. It is what you put on that puts that attitude in place. It's the hoodie. And the hoodie makes you feel comfortable and complete and able to do. And it's like, ah, I can be this way because I like this. I like this experience. I like the way this feels. And so it's an attitude we can literally put on. Verse 14 and 15 of chapter 3. He didn't stop there. In fact, he says, Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in, one, in the one body, and be thankful. And be thankful. So, he says, Above all, clothe yourself with love. Now, from a clothing metaphor standpoint, this is probably the hoodie. Because whatever you're wearing underneath it don't matter. <laughs> right? The t-shirt can have a hole. It's okay. It's under a hoodie. You know, it's comfortable. I'm wearing it. But if, if uh, bearing burdens and, forgive, and forgiveness, kindness, is the clothes you put on, then love is the hoodie you put on over those clothes. To translate it to what Paul was talking about, they would wear their tunic or whatever, and then they would have this overcoat that they put on. So he says, above all, put on love. So love is the jacket. Love is the hoodie. Love is the thing that covers up, every, binds everything else together. It completes the outfit. <laughs> right? It is like the signature piece that holds everything together. Why? Because if you are above all loving, you will by default be kind and compassionate and patient. If love is the focus, if I am going to put away malice and anger and hate and focus on being loving, then when I am loving, I will be kind and compassionate and everything else. The hoodie covers everything else up. <laughs> you could say that it's another element of expressing verse 12, right? Because love is kind. There's a verse about that somewhere. 1 Corinthians 13 says it, right? So love is kind. Love is patient. It's almost as if Paul wrote both letters. He did, by the way. You know, so... It's love is the thing that holds the whole package together. Above all, put on love. He says, uh, let's see. Yeah. Everything together in perfect harmony. So if his primary focus, I said this a couple weeks ago, that the whole idea of putting away malice and putting away anger and putting on kindness and putting on forgiveness and bearing burdens, he is talking about keeping that church in Colossians united together. Because when a group of people come together, they're going to be disagreements. But they've got to put their ego aside. They've got to put their own selfish desires aside. They've got to put on this kindness, compassion, and forgiving, and loving, and caring for each other. Because they're in it together, bearing each other's burdens. You see this picture? You see how this paints a picture of church? That this is body of people that you call your church you go to is meant to be this in your life? Paul's dealing in, dr drilling in on the fact you are part of that body. And here's how you play in that role. 
He says, so all this moves us toward unity. It keeps us together. And then verse 14 and 15. I love this. Or 14, whatever. What did I say? 14 and 15. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, notes. All right. 14 and 15. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And. Paul never stops. He just keeps adding. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. That phrasing, the way he puts that is very interesting. We all want peace. We all want peace in our life. He says, let the peace of Christ rule. Now that idea of rule there has this sense of arbitrator or referee. We love those. You know. But somebody, the peace of Christ rule in your life. Let the peace of Christ be the decider and the the driver in your life. Allow the peace of Christ to rule, to set the boundaries, to set the limits. It's not I have peace, it's Christ gives us his peace. Peace is a gift from God. That when you're facing heartache and pain, I keep quoting the song, when you're facing heartache and pain, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. When you're carrying burdens, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. It's something that can be given to us in spite of the circumstances. Because we are holy. And because we are beloved. And because we are in this together. John 14, 27 says this. My peace I give to you. Peace comes from Jesus himself. It comes from a relationship with God himself. If you have that relationship, if your needs for acceptance and love and value and hope are coming from a deep relationship with Christ, then you can handle the rest. Part of the reason we get so frantic about pursuing things and pursuing relationships is because we're still trying to fill the gap with our stuff and our agenda and our needs and our wants. And Paul says, let Christ make, put you at peace. Let what brings the peace of Christ in your life be the deciding factor in how you live. Be at peace with each other. Be forgiving toward each other. Because peace is not just the absence of strife. That's kind of our goal, right? It's not just, for peace, we just mean the absence of war, right? We, we want a clear calling. We want a clear day. We want any more responsibilities. We want peace. Oh, I can finally sit with my coffee and relax. I just need peace. Parents say that a lot. I just need some peace. <laughs> right? I don't need to be shot in the head with a Nerf gun when I'm sitting down to have lunch. I need some peace. Okay? But it's not just the absence of strife. It is the presence of harmony. It's just like the putting off the old and putting on the new. It's not the absence of conflict. It is the belonging to something else. It is the belonging to a deep relationship with Christ. It's not just what you walk away from. It's what you walk to. I don't want conflict. I don't want strife. I don't want heartache and pain. I want to let the peace of Christ rule in my heart. Well, if I allow Christ to rule in my heart, I will, my soul will remember that I am holy and I am beloved. I am not in this alone. I have a church family who will bear my burdens with me and will forgive me when I'm crazy. I'm not in this alone. 
and I will have peace in the middle of whatever it is I'm going through. The phrasing's interesting. He says, let the peace. Implies that we're kind of going, yeah, 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 I know that's great. <laughs> it implies that we're fighting Jesus on the peace front. Some of us like conflict and pain. Anybody know a drama queen? Okay. If you don't, maybe you are. But like we, <laughs> sorry. But the phrasing is, let peace rule. It implies that we're blocking peace. If we don't have it, maybe we are standing in the way of our own peace. Maybe we're fighting and holding on to something that's creating the chaos. And we need to let the peace of Christ rule in our heart. What are the obstacles? What relationship in your life is causing you strife that you need to get rid of? What thing are you holding on to because you think it will satisfy you and make you feel loved and accepted that you need to let go of so that the peace of Christ can fill your heart? That's the questions that come out of this passage. Those are the questions that I'm asking you. What is it that I'm wanting so much that I'm not letting Christ rule in my heart? I'm working against my own goal. I want peace, but I want it from here, not from there. Oh, there's the problem. If I would just let Christ do his thing, this will never satisfy, but he will. And by the way, it is so easy to get so caught up in whatever this is. It is. We all do it. And the whole Christian walk is, I'm doing it again. Sorry. I'm doing it again. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's the constant battle with what's going on inside of our heart what's happening is around us, and what we need to endure all that is the comfy hoodie of humility, kindness, patience, love, so that the peace of Christ can rule in our heart no matter what we find ourselves in. Let's pray. Gracious God, remind us that we belong to you, that you call us beloved. Remind our hearts that the world cannot satisfy. Help us to see the obstacles in our life that keep us from letting you remake, transform, and give us peace. This week, help us to see it. Help us to surrender it. And let your peace rule in our heart like never before. In Christ's name.